welcome, or welcome back, wherever in space-time you may be listening to us. This is Stranger Than. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate. Here we are again, delving into the unsolved, the mysterious, the misunderstood, and the creepy. You're really getting those inflections. Yeah, yeah. Good there, yeah. Bert is inspiring me. <laughs> I should, like, take some lessons from Bert on... Yeah, you should. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone thanks should. Yeah. Even though he's just learning himself. Oh, Always room for improvement. Yes, in everything. Kind of like last week. This week, it's sort of a, a grab bag of stuff we have to talk about. Joanna has a haunting she'll be talking about. Yes. And I have a couple cases of what I at first thought were cryptids and what ended up being a little bit different in both cases. Quite unfortunate in at least one case. In I'm, one not, case. I'm not sure about how the other one ended up. but Yeah, in one case it ended up being kind of a dark story. Mm -hmm. The other one is still somewhat amusing. <laughs> would you like to start or would you like me to start? Uh, why don't you start off with one of your stories? We'll start with a little bit darker one and then end with a less dark one because that seems like... That's always a good way to go. Yeah, a good way to go. My first story is about Xana, the Russian ape woman. This is a story that dates back to the 1850s. It involves what is called an abnuaryu, basically a Russian Bigfoot. Oh, okay. It's said that some hunters who knew a specific legendary technique managed to catch her in the wilderness and tie her up. She fought back pretty hard, and they had to beat her with clubs in order to get her gagged and her legs cuffed to a log. Wow. I imagine like a ball and chain, but with a big-ass log. So she couldn't really, you know, she couldn't escape and couldn't fight them, I think, is what they were more concerned with. Well, it's pretty hard to run when you're attached to a fucking log. Yep. The first account of a person owning her was Prince Akba of what is today Georgia in Russia, a Russian area on the Black Sea. Mm -hmm. It's not Russia now, it's back to Georgia, but it was in the USSR, I believe. It's said he gave her to one of his subordinates who ended up gifting her to a guy named Eji Janaba, who was a nobleman and visiting the region. He took her back to his estate in Tekina in northeastern Georgia. It's unknown exactly how far they had to travel back to his estate, but she was kept chained and bound the whole time. Upon arriving at Janaba's estate, Zana, as she was called, was kept in some sort of strong enclosure. She was so vicious that the servants charged with her care would stand out of her reach and just toss food into her enclosure. They wouldn't get close because she'd grab at him and shit. She'd sleep in a hole that she dug in the ground, and when awake, acted as a wild animal would. For three years, she inhabited this enclosure until she was tame enough that they were able to move her to a wattle fence enclosure that was closer to the house and partially covered by an awning. So was, was she, like, outdoors, uncovered Out this whole time? Yes. Lovely, right? Right, yeah. That's that's really nice environment to keep a living thing in. Yes, any kind of living thing. Mm-hmm. A wattle fence is made of thick vertical posts with thinner horizontal posts woven between the vertical ones. It's easy fence to erect because you don't really need much in the way of hardware. <laughs> you said erect. Ha! And hardware. <laughs> they rigged up some sort of tether system for a while, but soon enough she was allowed to wander around on her own, though she never went too far from her food source. 
She did not like going into warm rooms and no matter what time of year would still sleep outside in her hole. But this time it was at least under an awning. What they say is that this was what she wished to do. This is what she wanted. This is, she didn't like it inside. It was too warm or whatever. Well, let's describe what they describe she looked like. Her body was covered in a reddish black hair, which was thicker and mane-like on her head and trailing down her back. She was tall and thick, with a CK, not two Cs. She had huge breasts and a huge ass, and very muscular arms and legs. I feel like I, all I can think of is like an orangutan right now. Maybe because of the, the red Except hair. she was much taller. Much she was taller, taller than a, She was over six foot. Her fingers were longer and thicker than a normal human, and her toes were quite agile. They said that she could, like, grab shit with them, kind of like a monkey can. But oh, well, see? Like, a ring not so more, far off. They were more regular-looking, like, human feet. Mm-hmm. Her skin was black or dark gray, and when threatened, she would bare her teeth and howl. Which is something that happened pretty frequently to begin with, because the locals would come by and, like, poke sticks at her and harass her through the fence and shit. She never spoke. She would only howl and make other vocalizations when agitated, and occasionally she would laugh. Oh, dear. Her face was very broad and flat. The cheekbones were high, and the nose flat with nostrils facing more outward than down. Again, more like an orangutan. She had a wide jaw and large white teeth, and her jaw and mouth were similar to a short muzzle. She had a low brow that sat above reddish-tinged eyes. Her facial expressions were probably the most animalistic thing about her. She had this human look, but she had such animalistic looks it was very uncanny, according to contemporary reports. So we're going to find out that she's actually like a human. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, the laughter thing, that kind of like, I don't know animals to laugh, so. Birds, if they hear it. Uh, monkeys, I mean, all kinds of primates laugh. Well, I guess I, I guess speaking, I just don't I think wonder of if they like laugh the noises the... that they make as laughter. Well, I wonder if some of the noises that they make that can be construed as laughter are things that they've learned from humans in like when because they've been in captivity or whatever. Mm-hmm. That could be. I don't really know. Jane Goodall, get at us. <laughs> Stranger than podcast at gmail dot com. Right. Love to hear from you. Is she still alive? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad for that. Jane Goodall was a is uh is a as a, a fantastic human being. Yep. <laughs> yes, I agree. She was given her freedom. I mean, not like free, free, but you know, there she's not tethered up anymore, and and they're they're allowing her to roam around the property more, and so she would roam quite a bit. Sometimes she'd nap with herds of buffalo, and she could easily outrun a horse. She'd eat damn near anything given to her. And really liked wine. Wow. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what is what is the food that's being thrown to her? I don't know what it was at first. Probably just meat, maybe. Maybe. I but feel like didn't... maybe it was, like, kitchen scraps. Like, yeah, like, how something. Like, feed a pig. Yeah, it could be. could be, like, slop or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It didn't specify exactly what it was they fed her. I imagine it was probably something more akin to kitchen scraps than actual cooked food for her. Mm-hmm. Anytime she was given a dress, she'd end up just tearing it off. And the only clothes that the locals could get her to wear was a loincloth sometimes. Even in the dead of winter, she'd go for swims, like you and I do in August. She ended in up Russia, being... They're in Russia, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. They're on the, on the Black Sea. So it's not like a beautiful 
warm no climate cold it's cold as shit there in the winter and probably even the summer is not probably not lovely in the summer but it's probably better but winter i'm sure is just it's worse than a lot of other places yes definitely she ended up being tamed quote unquote but was still prone to outbursts that you know kept people wary of her though janaba could control her they had her do simple jobs like carry heavy shit from point A to point B, go to the mill, pick up a sack of grain, collect firewood, haul water, things like that. So it's not enough that she has to be in captivity under these conditions. They put her to work, too. Yes. At this point, when she's allowed to go to the mill and stuff, she's at this point also able to roam around. She always comes back because they feed her, but she's no longer penned up and she's no longer tethered up. I wonder how that progressed. Like, oh, I think you're ready for a trip to the mill. I don't know exactly, but it took several years for Mm -hmm. her to get to that point, at least. At least, like, between three and four. Dude's all like, oh, finally, my hard work paying off. Now I don't have to, you know, send servants to the mill. Speaking of hard work paying off, Zana also got pregnant. Oh, dear. More than once. Whoa. By different men. What? It's been said that these were the result of rape while Xana was both conscious and unconscious. So they'd, she'd get, like, wasted and on the wine, and then they'd fuck her. What in the fucking fuck? Right? So, from the description I gave you... Yeah. Like, I mean, I can see it happening once. There's a lot of pervs out there. Yes. But... But, I mean, there's always, like, that one guy that's in every community that'll do literally anything right with anything but several yep yep i mean are they really so hard up for pussy in georgia i guess they were (laughs) i guess they were maybe these georgian women were just not having their shit and uh they just had to go for xana whatever the case she carried each child to term and would give birth to them alone without any assistance After giving birth, she would wash the child in cold water, and ultimately they would die. The villagers saw this. I was going to say, I was like, oh my God, what happened to the kids? The the villagers saw this occurring and decided to do something about it. No, they didn't get dudes to stop fucking her. They just started taking the newborns away from her before she could waterboard them to death. Wow. Was she doing this because that is what her instincts are to do with a newborn, and these half-human offspring weren't hardy enough? Or was she drowning rape babies? Um, I feel like, I feel like it's the latter a little bit. It's hard, it's hard to say. I mean, I. Like, you know, when animals know they can't care for like their offspring, they will kill it. Yeah. So that. Quite a bit. Um, (laughs) gerbils and hamsters are particularly awful about this. One of my friends had a hamster when they were a kid and it had babies because I think they thought they had to. Oh, females, yeah, and, it, and you know that ended up not being the case. No, and for whatever reason, the mom hamster just decided that she was not able to take care of them. So as she was like birthing them out, you know how they're just all like just like these little pink lumps that are all like hairless. Yep, out they went, and then right back in. As she was birthing them out, she would take them and just chomp them up. Would she eat them, or would she just let them? Let... I think she just chomped them up. They're like little pieces of them all over the place. Wow. Brutal. But yeah, I mean, she basically ate them without, I don't think, really ingesting Actually, them. Actually, wow, brutal. Yeah, and I've heard a couple other stories about, like, yeah, hamster moms, like, eating their babies. Rodents. <laughs> there's they, Their populations get so big so fast that there's no time for sentiment, I guess. 
Nope. I mean, you've seen The Secret of Nim, right? I love The Secret of Nim. I love it to this day. I could, I can just watch that movie unlimited number of times. I've watched it recently. It's, it is definitely a good movie. Anyone out there should watch The Secret of Nim. I don't know if it's on streaming services, but it's worth a buy. It is worth a buy. It's, um, I love Don Bluth's stuff. Oh, is that the the uh, he's anima- or not yeah the animator, but well the, you know he used uh, to work for Disney but they thought he was like too dark oh like he did the Land Before Time oh yeah you know which if you've watched the first one with Littlefoot and his mom I mean like Disney was like oh that's just too hardcore like right like we can't have death and then the Secret of Nim is very dark oh yeah it's but it's so good. Yeah, I love what I loved it as a kid. I love watching it again with my kids. Oh yeah, the the Secret of Nim, the Dark Crystal, the Last Unicorn, and Flight of Dragons were all shit that I watched constantly. Uh, Last Unicorn is the shit. I've I've gone through and rewatched all of those again, and the Last Unicorn is the one that holds up the least. Oh really? I love that one. When was the last time you watched it? Probably in the last like year or two. I watched it fairly recently too, and I was like, ah. Uh... It was. It still isn't awful, but it's not as good as I remember it being. The other ones are are just as good. Well, I think the animation isn't quite as good. That, that sort of thing doesn't bother me. Um, but I don't know. I still feel like it's just so dark and good. I did introduce it to one of my friend's children, who's I think she was sixteen at the time, and she thought it was really cool. Yeah, my kids. So, my kids have loved it. I don't know. And there's just the, the voices, too, like Mia Farrow. Oh, and, yeah. It's um, all-star was cast. Was it Jeff, John Jeff Bridges? John Ritter. John Ritter is what? Uh, wasn't he the voice of um, uh, the Ma- magician? Magician? Maybe. I'm thinking Jeff Bridges as, like, the prince guy. I don't think Jeff Bridges was a voice in it, but I could be mistaken. I I feel like he was. The guy, Jeff Bridges, the... The, um, the dude. I know who Jeff dude, Bridges yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was him. Look it up real quick. I want to know if I'm right. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, the Jeff Bridges is in it. I didn't even know that. Yep. Wow, Prince Lear, yeah. Yep. Holy shit. He must have been really young then. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Oh, and they got the Harpy Eagle and the Witch. and I mean, just the whole thing. is just I, I just love it. I love Christopher it. Christopher Lee. He's a voice in it. And I think I was wrong. I guess Jack Ritter's not in it. John Ritter. Whatever. But yeah, see the Nim, I mean, oh man, those rats, that one bad rat. Yeah. And you see when he Nicodemus, like, it, I think. No, Nicodemus was like Oh no, he was the good one. He was the good one. Yeah. He was like the leader, but but yeah, that one like bad one and you, when you see him die and his teeth and just like yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just it's good. Yeah. Go out, purchase That's Secret Dom Delois as as the uh right? as the crow. Or the magpie or whatever. I think it's a crow. Yeah, something. Yeah. Go out, watch it. Whether you have kids or not, watch it. If you do have kids, show your kids the movie. A little dark, but whatever. Speaking of dark, back to drowning rape babies. Right. So when they took, the, when they started taking them away from her, what happened to them? Four of these infants were saved and were fostered by families in town. Two girls and two boys. Were they, like, normal-looking? Uh, we will talk about these okay. children. The names of the girls were Kodzinar, and she was the older one, and then Gamasa. And then the oldest boy was called Zanda, and the other, who was the youngest of them all, was called Quit. Quit? Quit. K-H-W-I-T. 
Ah. I am positive I'm not even pronouncing these names right, but, you know, we all know this, so it's whatever. I'd say quit or quite. It's probably like quit. Oh, yeah, because it's like the, the W with yeah, the B but sound. Whatever. Quit. He is an interesting story. He is the interesting bit of the story because he died in 1954 at 65 to 70 years old, and his remains are still around. His skull was actually dug up and studied, but more on that in a bit. The theory is that Quit's father was actually Janaba and resembled him quite a bit with the exception of being darker skinned and being built stronger. Supposedly, Gamasa was also his daughter and her and Quit did resemble each other. The last name given to these children was Sebekia. By all accounts, these four kids were just normal people. They could talk. They wore clothes. Slept in beds. Normal. Did they look normal? They looked normal. Quit specifically was remembered as being a normal dude, but a bit snarlier. He'd get into fights and even somehow managed to lose his right hand as a result of one of these fights. Damn. But being one-handed didn't stop him, and he was able to continue working as a farmhand. No pun intended. Yeah. Or was it? <laughs> well, no, he worked as a farmhand and he lost a hand. I, I don't know. It's just... There's just no other way to put it. It's a weird coincidence. <laughs> he worked as a farmhand until he was old and then moved away. He was returned to Tinka after his death to be buried. In 1964, archaeologists went to the cemetery to find some corpses and do some tests. From the overgrown state of the property, it appeared as though the last body to have been buried there had been quits ten years previous. That's all well and good, but the main prize was the body of Zana herself. A descendant of Ganaba claimed that she was buried beneath a pomegranate tree. There was a body there. But it was a child who had died young. According to the shape and size of the skull, however, it was related to Xana. So it was like one of her rape babies? One, well, they're all rape babies. But yeah, this was one of the rape babies that they did, were unable to save, got drowned, or maybe died later on somehow. I mean, still, this is... I mean, it's like pre-19th century. Yeah, I mean, this is these, ki these children Russia. were born... In the late 1800s. 19th century Russia. And early 1900s. Yeah. And not even, like, they were in the outskirts. They were not in, like, there wasn't shit going on around. So I'm sure infant death was Yeah, probably a very had a pretty high thing. mortality rate, even yeah. if you weren't, like, drowning them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. In 1965, the skeleton of who they believed was Gamasa was found, and then nothing. Didn't find anything else there. Uh, they decided that at least they had the marked grave of Zana's son, Quit, sitting unmolested. So they dug into it and sent the skull to Moscow. That is the only marked grave. They believe the other body they found was Gamasa, but they're not sure. Not the one under the pomegranate tree, but a whole new and different one. Right. Were they able to do any, like, DNA testing, like, later on? Or, I mean, I know this was, like, the 60s. So. They did later on. Yeah, okay. Um, at this point, they are just sending the skull to Moscow, and it was passed along to an anthropologist who noted significant differences between that skull and skulls of the majority of the inhabitants of Abkhaz. Abkhaz is debatedly its own place. Most of the world sees it as a part of Georgia, of which it is either the northwest part of or northwest of, depending upon how you see it. They're like, we're our own place, and every place else is like, you're not really. It's right on the Black Sea, regardless. This is the area that this guy, uh, Ganaba, lived in. Mm -hmm. That's where his little place was. I really would have been loved to have been in on that grave digging and studying stuff. Oh, yeah. Sounds like a dirty job, though. Oh, yeah, very dirty, but God. 
it just still just like fascinates me. I just like want to be doing that one day. I want to be out there like fucking digging up some fucking skeletons and shit. Checking some of this shit out. Yeah, it's just so fascinating. The anthropologist, whose name I could only find in relation to this story, said that the skull was closest looking to those found of a Neolithic culture called the Meropole, who were known to be larger than other humans of the time and lived in the area around 5500 BCE. So Neolithic, but not like Neanderthal. No, Neanderthals died like 40,000 years ago. Well, yeah, but I mean, wouldn't that be interesting if maybe like a few had survived somehow? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people like talk about it being Neanderthal, but there's there's no there's no evidence of that. Okay, but okay. It... now it's also around this time that humans figured out how to start using copper. It's been suggested that Xana and by extension Quit are Neanderthal, which was disproven in the 1990s by Grover Krantz, evolutionary anthropologist and primatologist. He was able to examine the skull and found that it, that it had no similarities to that of Neanderthals. It should be also said that Neanderthals are thought to have died out around 38,000 BCE. Mm -hmm. So this was Homo sapien. Yes. For all intents and purposes. But you No, know, it was exactly Homo sapien. Right. And but the but only still weird, though? Like these brand of Homo sapiens were just bigger than regular ones, than, than like us. Yeah. And but well, I... at least regular to that area, I guess, is more accurate. Is this like a common thing or is this extremely rare to have this type of human that's bigger? That skull is rare. Okay. It's consistent with humans that lived in 5500 BCE, so 7500 years ago. And it's not... It's not something that you see... Not commonly at all, is it something hardly. you see anymore, yeah. Okay. Recent tests done on a tooth from Quit and saliva samples from six of her living relatives, that's right. There are humans walking around on the planet that are descendants of this woman. These tests show that she was 100% Sub-Saharan African, though not of any known group. So that means Sub-Saharan African means people that live south of the Sahara Desert in Africa. And wasn't that kind of like where human existence sprang up? Yes. Okay. They believe that humans started in Sub-Saharan Africa. And somehow she retained extremely old qualities, but she was found in fucking Russia? Like, It has been hypothesized that the group she belonged to left Africa and ended up in Ukraine around 100,000 years ago due to the unique skull features. So they think that her ancestors way back 100,000 years ago moved up to the area where she is. Wow. Or where she was caught. These would be the people of the Maripol culture, I imagine. Genetic testing was proven that if the children they had tested are in fact the children of Xana, then she is a human being, not a Bigfoot, not a Neanderthal. Reports on how she looked may have been stretches of the truth. There is a condition known as hypertrichosis that causes an excess of body hair to grow. Right, I think we cover that in freak shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a briefly, again, it's a pretty serious excess of hair oh yeah it's a very rare condition that affects in one in one billion to one in ten billion that means that if it's one in ten billion there's only one person on the planet right now that has it her nose could have been as described due to syphilis or hansen's disease hansen's disease is leprosy hansen's disease is also more possible than syphilis as during those days i'm not sure if the mother with syphilis would have babies that survived nowadays it's possible. 
because they can flood the mother with antibiotics. Right. And then they can kill off the syphilis in the baby. Well, babies born with congenital syphilis do often die, but also they can just have um, bad health problems. They don't. Yeah. Al- they don't always die. Yeah, yeah. But it's not. It's not great. It's I mean, blindness, ideal. deafness. Bad. Uh, it's bad. All kinds of intellectual handicaps, physical handicaps can be present if you were born with congenital syphilis. And regardless, if she had syphilis or if she had Hansen's disease, she wouldn't have been as hairy as described because both of those things would cause some hair to fall out where like the sores and what have you were. Could it be that she got syphilis after she was in captivity because of all the rape? I mean, that's possible. I mean, that would be my guess. But they described her as having that nose before all the rape. Hmm, okay. Because that would account for her having the hair to begin with. Exactly, yeah. Who knows? Additionally, she was described as being quite physically fit, and Hansen's disease destroys nerves, so it's unlikely she was afflicted with that. I mean, it just doesn't really fit. Oh, yeah, I mean, leprosy is awful. Yes, but it's also very easy to get rid of these days. These days, but back in the day... it's really hard to catch. Do you remember all the infomercials about leprosy? I, that they used to have? I don't. It was like, you know, like, save the the victims of leprosy. They changed it to Hansen's disease because of all the bad press on leprosy from, like, back in the Bible days all the way to now. Yeah, well, it'd be, like, guys, like, out in, like, the developing nations where yeah. people would be afflicted with it. And it's like, send money now. And I don't know. I mean, lepros- leprosy seemed, like, terrifying to me. Like, yeah. as a kid, it seemed like a thing that I should be afraid of. And now I'm just like... No, it's not. <laughs> it's not scary at all. Yeah. But, I mean, just where it's, like, your limbs and face just, like, rot off of you. Yeah, but it it takes a long time. It does take a long time, but still, that's fucking horrible. It's not great. But, yeah, nowadays, no big deal. The truth of this story is more likely that an African woman was kidnapped, sold, in prison, and then raped for many years until she died. Maybe she was handicapped in some way. We'll never know unless her remains are found. That's pretty fucking awful. Yeah, you know, when I first heard Russian Ape Woman, I thought this was going to be some, like, interesting story about, like, a, a, a like Bigfoot-like creature that, like, harassed a town for some time. Or, you know, kind of a Spring-Heeled Jack, but more Bigfooty, you know? Right. I didn't expect it to be, like, this really fucked up story. Oh, man, because, I mean, at first I'm like, well, go Russia for accomplishing what we've never been able to do, like capturing their Bigfoot, but... But not at all. But go, actually, no. Go no. Russia for maintaining the status quo of horribly objectifying women. Yes. I wonder how she was, like, discovered. Uh, I don't know. I mean... Like, did they just, like, see her in the forest and, like, you know, we're capturing her? Their sto- the story says they knew some legendary way to catch her, but the chances are pretty good she was just a slave the whole time. And she just ended up getting sold her off to people and made her way to, you know, And then they like, kind of like and... made up the story like, yeah, we caught her in the woods. Yeah, because, you know, she's if she fucking was wild, this one. sub-Saharan African, so she's like a, and they describe her as large, so she's a large black woman in Russia. Yeah. And then they're just making up these other things, you know. Way back in the day. Exactly. Because where... I was going to say, if she actually like lived in the woods prior to this, like, I mean, how, what kind of... I'd love to know the story behind that. Like, how did they get up there and live in isolation? Place I mean, was fairly regardless of the fact, then, like, I'm how sure. she was acquired, I guess, is the only term I can come up with. The fact that she belonged to, like, a race of human beings that was so fucking old, it's basically yeah. not seen anymore. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. 
that's incredible. Well, people still have Neanderthal DNA in them. I mean, Ozzy Osbourne does. So that's that doesn't surprise me. That's that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's you know a, a weirdo thing too. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of. Th- I mean, technically speaking, we are all so closely related to everything on the planet. We're within like yeah, there's like tenths or hundredths of a percent of a difference in our genes between like a worm it's ridiculous it's crazy it is it is pretty nuts yeah when you think about like like how few differences there are uh dna wise between us and primates and oh yeah yeah especially especially i mean that's our closest really we are just fancy chimpanzees yeah i'm a monkey (laughs) ape I mean, really, we're just a great ape. That's that's what we are. I was doing the like the the Mrs. Garrison, Mr. Garrison. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't a very good Mr. Garrison. Mm. Well, why don't you tell us about something, Joanna? I'm going to talk about the Ohio State Reformatory. The Ohio State Reformatory, mm-hmm. which is one of the most haunted places in America. Really? Yes. Very big on the ghost hunters circuit. I'm sure we can see that on lots of uh, television shows and what have you. Oh, yeah. I'll I'll get into that in a bit. It's located in Mansfield, Ohio. And it was originally built as a boys reformatory school. Hence the name State Reformatory. Yeah, that's a pretty accurate name. So it was kind of aimed at juvenile offenders and people whose offenses were not like major okay so So, uh, shoplifting probably right right not not violent offenders okay and is this the kind of place is a reformatory school where you go and do they is it like a prison or is it like a it was a prison okay but it was meant to give these offenders a chance to turn their shit around and maybe not end up in like the state penitentiary but it wasn't like a boys school no it wasn't it wasn't a school per se but they did have a lot of um activities they had like trade classes where they would learn to to sew and i see get other skills that would prep them for the workplace they had a gym, they had a chapel, and you were required to go to chapel. I see, I see. Yeah. So it was basically like, this is how you are a member of society, mm-hmm. because you fucked up. Right. Okay. They also had them do a lot of the work in the prison. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you were put to work, and then you intent- you attended classes. Made you productive and gave you something to do so there wasn't idle times. Right. You know, idle time is is bad for your hands. Mm-hmm. They say the devil <laughs> likes it for some reason. I don't know. Idle idle hands are the devil's plaything. I think there's like a playground and the devil and soft hands. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> now, prior to the building of the reformatory, the site was actually a Civil War uh, training camp. Oh no, shit! So it was pretty old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think about like four thousand. Union soldiers trained there. Wow. At some point during the Civil War. And then once that was like over and done with, they closed the encampment down and then built the reformatory training ground. So there's probably not a lot of like dead troops there. No, no, because this was just all for 
training purposes yeah, to send yeah. them because most of the Civil War was fought in the South. And I imagine that there wasn't a very extensive training program back then. More like, this is how you use a gun. This is how you march in a line. Go South. Yeah, I imagine the only deaths associated with that would be accidental and then disease, of course. Oh, because... of course, yeah, because anytime you get a bunch of humans together, it gets filthy. Mm-hmm, and we're talking 1860s here, Yeah, they so... didn't know about soap. Mm-hmm. Germs were just, you know... They didn't even know about germs. Yeah, germs were a thing that was not known about. No, not at all. <laughs> and anyone who had the idea of germs was thought to be crazy, I think. Crazy as fuck. The building was designed by architect Levi T. Schofield. Name sounds familiar for some reason. Schofield does. I think it's a kind, kind of, of a, a common last name. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of a common last name. The building is constructed of limestone and iron, and it's modeled kind of after old world Germanic castles. Okay. And Victorian Gothic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Architecture. Yep. So pretty cool looking then. It is really cool looking. It's actually like probably one of the most badass looking prisons I've ever seen. Have you been there? I haven't. I've never been to Ohio. Oh, okay. But um, if I happened to be in that state, I would definitely pay it a visit. Ohio listeners, if you go past that area, send us a picture. Mm-hmm. Post it on our Facebook or send us an email. Tell us your thoughts on it. Due to the castle-like appearance of the architecture, it was given a nickname of Dracula's Castle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is 250,000 square feet. Wow. Is the footprint of this building. That's, and it's more than one story, I'm sure. So that's a lot yeah, of space. It is six stories. Wow. So that's, does that work out to over a million square feet? I don't know. I think overall it's just 250,000 square feet. Oh, okay. When you said footprint, I thought you meant that was just like one floor was that many. No, I think as far as, well, I guess, I don't know. I just read that the, the footprint was 250,000 square feet. Okay. So I'm I guess not, we I'm don't not know sure. what that means. Yeah, <laughs> I'm right. not sure if that meant the entire building or just the the base of it. It is six stories high. Now, the east cell block is, to this day, the highest freestanding cell block and the biggest freestanding cell block in the world. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. So, it's huge. Yeah. So, that six-story cell block had about 600 cells. It's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to Alcatraz, and that seemed really big, but this, like, dwarfs it. That's insane. Like, Alcatraz is Disneyland, and this place is Disney World? More like Alcatraz is Knott's Berry's Farm. <laughs> oh. And this place is Disney World. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> and when you think of all the noise, six tiers of... 600 cells worth of people and it's just all open no cell blocks. no yeah so there's no walls it's all just 
I mean, there's walls in between the cells, but yeah. yeah but, but they all open out. They all open, open out and face out. Holy shit. Yeah. Noisy as fuck. Noisy as fuck. And it got even noisier because although it started off as this reformatory. For young ne'er-do-wells. Yes. Funding diminished, so the programs diminished, and eventually, just due to need, they started getting more and more inmates. And oh, it yeah. stopped being just a prison for juvenile and, um, you know, nonviolent offenders. They Great. started, it started, it became a maximum security prison, basically. When did this happen, do you know? I don't know. It was just kind of over the years. Over the years. Over the years. I wonder if it's, if it happened closer into the 1900s when people started getting like Tommy guns and cars and like you had like, crime and and shit like that i'm pretty sure it did because the prison opened in 1896 oh yeah there you go it opened in 1896 and it actually was in operation until 1990 oh wow so 94 years (laughs) 94 years that's madness it was open and in those 94 years 154,000 prisoners went through wow that prison that's a lot of people mm-hmm. now as funding depleted and more and more inmates came in it began to really fall apart the conditions got very bad and it got extremely overcrowded yeah so a cell that was originally designed for one person or two to occupy soon had like four people and occupying it's really, it. It's really good to be at violent people in close quarters. Right. That's the best thing to do, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't really not have you're gonna conflict. Have, yeah. <laughs> when yeah. just imagine what it's like when you're in close quarters with and you're both, you know, like nonviolent people. Oh yeah. I mean for, for you a start long period pissing of time, each yeah. other the fuck it's off. Just, yeah. Yeah. So when you throw in People who've had rough lives and rough backgrounds and might have a tendency to be violent with one another. Yeah. Yeah. For seemingly small transgressions. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the way he looked at me. <laughs> he looked at me funny. <laughs> oh, and so he got shanked. Now, due to all the increased conflict, I guess you could say, because of all the overcrowding, Obviously, the guards started taking harsher measures with yeah, disciplining um, the inmates. I'm sure. There's one instance in 1898 where, so 1898, this is only two years in. Yeah. 45 prisoners were hung by their thumbs because wow, I guess they went on strike. They didn't want to do any of the jobs around the reformatory anymore right. because they weren't going to be able to have tobacco. Huh. Which I can kind of get that. So they got hung by their thumbs. They got hung by their thumbs. Ow. Yeah, that's some pretty barbaric shit. Yeah. So that was two years after it was built. That was two years after it was built. So I guess I guess that it means really didn't take long for things to go downhill. Maybe they... Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> it wasn't a reformatory for long. Well, maybe they 
tried to keep it as such, but things started going downhill quickly and then just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, yeah. This is why it ended up being closed in 1990 because there was actually like a federal lawsuit like brought oh wow against the the prison yeah officials because the living conditions were just so deplorable at that point like you can't keep people like this guys it it was bad yeah it was pretty bad the graveyard of the reformatory has 215 graves oh numbered they're just marked by numbers that is the number of people who died while it was functioning as a prison slash reformatory and whose bodies were not claimed because i was doing a lot of reading and i was like only 215 people died out of 154,000 that went through but it was just 200 and how many did you say 215 yeah 215 i actually could not find a number of how many people actually died but whose bodies were like claimed by family members yeah this is only those who were never claimed, who died at the prison, and nobody ever came to get them. Over two a year died every single year that no one came to get the body. Right. But there is no estimate out there of how many people died. How many people and, actually yeah. just like died and, and had somebody to, to come and get their body. Yeah, I'm sure in the early 1900s it was still the wild west and you were able to kill people and just sort of whatever yeah there there was there was some killing going on a lot though was disease too because yes definitely because of cramped conditions and mm-hmm. poor sanitation poor sanitation close living quarters tuberculosis was probably oh, the yeah. number one killer probably probably and there was no cure for it back in the day just no. If you got TB, it killed you eventually. No, uh, whatever, but... It's it's treatable these yeah. days, and then it's been treated some... It's rare to get it. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the disease isn't out there like it used to be. No, no. It's weird when people like, people are like, oh, I, mean, I actually just heard a story about some lady who had tuberculosis, but it wasn't in her lungs. It was in her stomach and her bowels or something like that. Yeah, you and, can have active and inactive and, and latent, was, yeah, and it, it can active, be in other parts she, of your body. And and she was she was suffering from it, but they didn't know what it was. And uh, it was just because some random med student was like, oh, can I use this sample for this old TB test just for fun? And that test was what found it, while the more modern test did not. And that's pretty much, that saved her life because she was going to die from it. They didn't know what the fuck it was. That's crazy. Well, because usually you're not looking for TB in, no. in someone's GI tract. No. It's not possible that it's TB is so rare now, and then some form of non-respiratory TB is even, even rarer. rarer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Craziness. That is some craziness. Let's talk about some of those non-TB-related deaths. Oh, this sounds like fun. This is going to be so fun. The first one would be 72-year-old Urban Wilford. Urban Wilford. Urban Wilford. This was 1920s time. is a good name. It is a good name. It's a very 1920s name. Or it's a football player name or like a professional athlete name of today. Yeah, urban. Yeah, super weird. But catchy. Yeah. I mean, urban Wilford, yeah. that's, a, that's a good name. Yeah. He's a, a quarterback to the, 
I Cleveland Browns. <laughs> there we go. Cleveland Browns. It's just like a fucking football team. He had been encouraged by his friends and family to retire. Yeah. He's old as fuck. Especially for that time. Yeah. But he felt that his job had meaning and he wanted to keep on doing it. I mean, I couldn't understand that. What are you going to do with all this time? I don't know. I'm looking forward to retirement like so much already, even though it's like so fucking far for me. Yeah. If I even get to. I mean, yeah. God knows what like social security is going to be like. I am not expecting I'm, to retire. I'm feeling like I'm just going to have to work until I die. And that sucks because I'm just lazy as fuck. I'm, I'm ready to just not work. Well, I'm not necessarily lazy, but there's just so many other things I would rather do than work, work my you job all day long. <laughs> yeah. All day. Yeah. Like, like it's such a huge percent of my life that I have to spend doing this. Exactly. And it's just, you know. It's not as fulfilling as, say. Right. Other things. Other things. Like, researching awesome stories and doing great podcasts. Yeah. Like, that's something I enjoy. Traveling. Yeah. Spending time with my kids. So many more enjoyable things. But some people really love their work. As it turns out, poor Urban Wilford really should have retired. Yeah. He had the unfortunate luck of running across a former inmate whose name was Philip Orlick. Now, Philip Orlick. Yes. Now, he had already been paroled. So he, he wasn't w- in prison. No, he had been in that prison. Yes. But he had been paroled, and he was no longer living there, because that's what parole is. But... He wanted to break one of his buddies out. Oh, good. Back in the day when you could break out of prison. Yeah, there was a few breakout attempts. I think that happens at every prison. Yeah, I'm sure. As he attempted to enter the west gate of the prison, Wilford sees him and sees what's going on and basically tries to intervene and keep oh, him from getting yeah. in there to bust his buddy out. And a struggle ensued. and. He ended up dead, but he did actually manage to restrain Orlick until some other guards could get there. Oh, fucking A. But by the time they got him secured... Old poor, ass Urban yeah. was dead. That's too bad. Poor but, Urban Wilford had expired. At least he went out fighting. Yes. I'm sure he would, he would have found that to be a satisfactory way to go out. Yeah. I mean, for someone who wanted to keep on, you know, was dedicated to his job and wanted to keep on... Yeah. Keep on doing it. Rip. Now, Orlick did end up being executed for killing. Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah. He was executed one year later in the electric chair. Wow. So they went right on it. They were, there's none of this 10 year appeal thing. They were Mm -mm. one year to think about what you've done. Here you go. Yeah. Well, it's the 20s. So yeah. Yeah. Quicker justice. But probably not always just justice. I mean, I would say that in the case of an old man killing Orlick, I don't know that the electric chair is necessarily the best justice, but still, he he deserved punishment. Definitely. Now, the next murders I'm going to talk about didn't actually happen within the prison, but it happened to someone who worked at the prison. Okay. But not while they were working at the prison? No, it did not happen within the walls of the prison. In July 1948, the reformatory's farm boss, his wife and daughter, 
were kidnapped and shot to death oh. by two former inmates <laughs> who wanted to get revenge. Wow. Yeah. So the guards were really pretty harsh on the on the on the prisoners here. Yeah, and this guy was I don't even think he was the guard, but he was the farm boss, so maybe he had him oh, work in the fields. Boss. Yeah, he was probably a hard ass too. Yeah. They're probably like chain gang. Yeah, that's what I'm expecting. Working and with the pickaxe and a hoe and he's probably back he's on there like, with a shotgun, smoking cigarettes with his sunglasses. Maybe riding by on a horse. They're calling him boss. Buggy whip. Yeah. They dubbed these guys the Mad Dog Killers. The Mad Dog Killers. They sought them out, eventually caught up to them. One of them was shot dead in the standoff. Uh-huh. And then the other one was captured. Robert Daniels was the one left living, and he also got the electric chair. Yeah, I that doesn't surprise me at all. I'm surprised that they actually brought anybody in. The next death did occur within the prison, only this was in the warden's living quarters, which oh. were super nice, by all accounts. Yeah. Very fancy. And it was actually the prison warden's wife. Oh, man. I can't imagine living on the prison grounds. I know. Just weird. Yeah, super. Because I think some of the wardens had, like, families and children living there. Yeah, how weird would that be? You go, you go home to the fucking prison yeah so i mean they had separate from the cell block but still part of the prison yeah yeah and i think it connect you know it all interconnected you could probably hear all the different alarms and bells and shit from your house weird 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 the warden was named arthur lewis glatke and his wife was named helen so in 1950, one evening, Helen is up in the closet and she's trying to get a jewelry box. There is a revolver also hidden up in the closet. And it's thought that either she grabbed it to move it out of the way or she just didn't see it was there. One way or another, it ended up falling to the floor and discharging. Oh. And she was shot in the chest like it punctured. Oh. It went through her lung. It went through her left lung. Fuck. And she didn't die immediately, but she died shortly after in the hospital because... Man, how awful. She just had too many complications. Like, her lungs could probably... It was the 1950s, and she suffered a chest wound? Yeah. So I imagine there was um, blood in the lungs and also uh, pneumonia set in because of the fluid in her lungs. Yeah. Possibly bullet fragments in there someplace they couldn't get to. The warden himself would die nine years later. Of a heart attack in his office. Oh. At the prison. That was February 10th, 1959. Now, right around that time, I couldn't find a specific date, but it was very close to the time of the warden's death. There was a prisoner named James Lockhart. And he was serving a 15-year sentence. He hadn't done 15 years yet, but that was his sentence. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently James had, obviously, some problems with depression because he stole some turpentine from the workroom at the prison, doused himself in it, and then lit himself on fire. That is some serious shit. I just, I can't even imagine what motivates somebody to kill themselves in such a gruesome way. Yeah. Self-emoliation is just yeah. one of those things like, oh my god. It's... 
Ugh, man, crazy. I mean, to me, burning to death is one of the worst ways to go as it is. And so I just can't imagine doing that to yourself. It's just so fucked up because usually people die from the smoke inhalation before they even burn to death. So it's like you are in pain until you die. Oh, well, yeah. There is no, it's, I mean, I guess. And even smoke burn, inhalation, yeah. I mean, that's more like when you're in a building that's literally oh, no, flooded even, with smoke. Even well, when, I know even at the state, but I think it would be better if you were in a burning building that was just flooded with smoke before you started burning. Oh, yes. If yeah. You die, but even if you're on fire, you're usually dying of the smoke inhalation mm -hmm. for sure. And, and I guess maybe even sometimes it's, there's, the air is so hot that you can't breathe it. So there's, you know. Yeah, there's it's that. It's not burning to death, not pleasant. Do not recommend. Mm -mm. But for whatever reason. He opted to go with that. He, yeah, that was his chosen way of ending himself. Yeah, that's something else. And it was pretty gruesome. Yeah. The guards tried to get to him, but by the time they were able to, like, bust through his door, I think he had barricaded himself in some way and pull him out he was near death and one of the eyewitnesses reported that his skin was just like falling off oh that's fucking that's the that's the worst yeah the spirit of james lockhart is one of the more well-known ghosts to haunt this place oh okay and one of the more aggressive ghosts. oh so really? he's still not happy, even even in death. He did not. Still wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Didn't find peace, I guess. Well, I guess not if he's still hanging around. He's, that's, usually don't, they don't hang around if they're at peace. I find it interesting that his cell number was 13. Oh, interesting. Yeah, pretty unlucky cell number for him. I would be willing to bet that any cell number is an unlucky cell number because right, cause you're, you're in, in a cell. cell. It was just interesting to find out that... It was actually number 13. Yeah, yeah. It was, was his a actual son. Traditionally number. unlucky number. Let's talk about the hole. You know what the hole is, right? I know about holes, yes. <laughs> I'm assuming you mean solitary? Yeah, I'm talking about solitary confinement. Because in prison, it could mean a variety of things. The it, hole. It could, well, just in life in general. In life in general, yeah. <laughs> you know, the mouth hole. Ugh. God, you just had to mention the goddamn mouth hole, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Jesus fuck. <laughs> so let's talk about the hole. Let's talk about the hole and not the fucking mouth hole. I am talking about the solitary confinement section of the prison, which was actually underground. So it was the basement, and there was like pretty much like no daylight came through there, just little slivers of it. I don't think it was completely submerged it wasn't pitch black in there but it was pretty dark yeah there was 20 cells and again overcrowding caused them to sometimes not be actually solitary but like two people less solitary yeah same amount of confinement yes wow because they probably weren't this regular size of cells either were they no, I mean, they're especially small. They're, you know, concrete. They've got the steel door, not right. the open bars. With, like, maybe a slot. Uh-huh. At least one prisoner hung himself. Yeah, not surprising. Down there. In 1950, apparently there was kind of a riot. Oh. In 1957, there was a prison riot. And so 120 prisoners were given 30-day sentences 
in the hole. <laughs> but as I just said a minute ago, there's only 20 cells. Yeah. That's... Not great. No. There was an incident yeah. involving... I mean, that's six people a cell. Yeah, and I don't know if maybe they staggered it a little bit, but I know there was at least two to three people per cell at the time. Fuck. Maybe even up to four. And there was an incident where apparently two cellmates did not get along so well. And by the time the door was unlocked, one guy came out and they eventually found the other guy stuffed under the bunk. Huh. So the dude killed him, stuffed his body under the bunk, and just left him there for the rest of his well, what are you gonna do? duration. You don't want to look at him. And I guess you just don't like, oh, hey, you need to get this dead body out of here. Maybe he was hoping with all the overcrowding and stuff, they wouldn't remember, like, yeah, yeah, who was in what cell. Because it wasn't immediate. No. Wow. But yeah, apparently the hole is a pretty haunted place, too, I due be- to the hanging and the murdering. and Yeah, all the fucked up shit. Yeah, I believe that. Another suicide occurred in 1974. This was an inmate named Larry Harmer, actually. Larry Harmer. His last name was Harmer, and he committed suicide? His last name was Harmer, and he committed suicide. Hey. He was only sentenced to one year. Wow. For property damage. And he was actually going to get transferred to another prison. Huh. But the week prior, he just pulled all the sheets off of his bed and tied them to a towel rack and hung himself. Weird. Mm-hmm. That seems a little bit extreme if you're going to be doing that little amount of time and you're not even going to be at this prison, unless it, like there was something else going on. Well, it's speculated that maybe some, you know, there was going to be somebody at the, like, the next prison that oh, yeah. was going to maybe do something to him or I don't know who knows yeah maybe I mean probably just had some really bad mental health issues and that's probably the case I mean wasn't getting any care for it so I mean people kill themselves when they have great lives going on that's true so I I don't there is no real rhyme or reason to it I guess sometimes people just want to end it all there was another guard that was murdered and this was in 1932 another escape attempt this guard was named frank hanger frank hanger frank hanger i knew the, what is it with these last names <laughs> how did he you said he committed suicide no now that would have been <laughs> that would have been weird yeah Harmer committed suicide Harmer committed suicide hanger, hanger was a guard was a guard okay who Ended up trying to intervene in another breakout, and he was beaten to death with a pipe. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's just not great. Yeah. Not great at all. Those are the last of the, like, official, like, name and date deaths that were, that stood out, I guess. Okay. There are stories, though, of a boy who haunts the hole where he was beaten to death at the age of 14. Ooh. Yeah. The guards beat him to death. And then there is a story of another boy who had thrown himself off the handrail five stories up on that six-story tier. Wow. So at some point, he he was 
coming out of his cell and they open up the cell door and then there's a walkway yeah. with a handrail and he just threw himself off of there five stories up and killed himself. Yeah. Wow. Clearly this macabre history has led to a lot of people feeling like this is a pretty haunted place. Yeah. And there's been a lot of reported happenings. There's the ghost of James Lockhart and then these other people that were murdered, people think that they've heard the warden's wife, Helen, and the warden having conversations with each oh, other. Weird. And then there was the other, you know, suicides and guards that were killed. Just enough unhappiness to probably have a lot of haunting type shit going on. Yeah, I mean, I can believe it. In a place like that, especially with such extreme emotions that, that would occur, I could see how there would be still things hanging around. Mm-hmm. I mean, damn. Now, I watched so many because doing, like, the the research online, there was so many stories of, okay, this tour guide experienced this, people doing the tours. There, there's a whole, like, ghost tour of this prison. Oh, uh, yeah. So that's, like, totally a thing you can do there. I'm actually, I'll actually give you some more details about that in a sec. I wanted to see if there was anything actually, like, legit recorded. Uh-huh. So I watched several, like, Ghost Hunter shows. <laughs> several. <laughs> many. Many. Too many. I don't want to watch any more for a long time. You've had enough. I have had enough. Some were better than others. Although all of them seem to contain something where you heard, like, an occasional, like, EVP or loud thump. None of it was... Really compelling. Okay, so it was just sort of your... It's like, oh, I heard this loud bang. It's like, okay, you're in a fucking steel and metal giant building where yeah. things echo it's and old there's pipes. As fuck, it's too. old as fuck. Probably hasn't been renovated in years since it fell out of use in the 90s. And then I'm always a little wary of the EVPs. Yes, because you'll try and hear things. I've heard some that are more believable than others, but you're always trying to find patterns and things, so... And some of the ones that they were coming up with, it's like, I couldn't even hear anything at all. I'm like, where are you even getting this noise or, yeah. oh my God. You know, some of the, I'm not going to generalize here, but there are a few paranormal investigators that I'm just like, oh my God. And let's think about <laughs> it. It could also just be the editing. It could, it could be the editing. There were a few that were just so over the top. Yeah. Hamming it up for the camera. <laughs> Hamming it up for the camera and just, oh my God, they were just like tedious. I didn't want to listen to them anymore because I basically just tried to inundate myself and kind of learn through osmosis while doing like my research on the computer. I would just have it kind of like constantly on YouTube, like going yeah, video yeah. after video of like, oh, my experience at the Ohio State Reformatory. I learned some cool things. Yeah, I was basically just listening in case anything like piqued my interest. Yeah, yeah. Something popped up. Which a couple of cool things did. One of them being that after it was closed, the electric chair from the Ohio State Penitentiary. So they didn't do executions at the reformatory. There were no executions carried out there. There were, however, lots of executions over the last hundred years that were carried out at the Ohio State Penitentiary. Okay. And they actually brought the electric chair that they used. <laughs> from? From the penitentiary, and it is now 
at the reformatory, wow. maybe in their museum or something like that. Damn. <laughs> but I feel like maybe that also might have brought some bad spirits. It's like or... a Dybbuk chair? Yeah. Because I think around 315 people were executed on that electric chair. Oh, wow, crazy. And I learned that, yeah, like so many videos of people going there and taking the tour. And there was kind of this one main tour guide. Yeah. That was in a lot of the videos, but then this other random tour guide was in one video, and he shared that fun fact. <laughs> so that piqued my interest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would have, uh, like, perked my ears up at that as well. Mm-hmm. And then there were some that, like, really piqued my annoyance to where I'm, like, sitting there on my computer, and all of a sudden I'm just like, wait, what the fuck is going on? What are these people doing? Like, why am I suddenly so f very, very annoyed? And it was a particular group of paranormal investigators that were there in the dark and attempting to make contact with the spirits there. Yeah. There are these two girls that were, I guess the best way to describe them is, would be kind of like valley girls. Okay, that's awesome. And they were trying to use words, like trigger words, to get the ghosts to oh. talk to them. So they'd just be like, murder, penance. And then they'd start like giving attitude, like, so why are you still here? Do you think if you come in and communicate with me that you're going to be, like, forgiven? You were here for a reason, you know? I mean, they're just, like... Being, yeah, yeah, confrontational. Confrontational, but in this really super annoying way. <laughs> and then I'm just like, shut the fuck up. They're just being condescending to the ghosts. Yeah. It's just like, come on. Yeah, I mean, it's like they just, all they needed was, like to be wearing Uggs and have a Starbucks <laughs> in their hand. and It was like Han Solo. Right. It was just like, it w I was just kind of surprised because it's not your typical paranormal investigator yeah, type. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden I j I'm just starting to get like annoyed by these voices and I look up and they're just like, so why are you here? <laughs> Maybe there was, uh, that was the studio saying, look, we have to put these two in with you for, you know, viewership or whatever. Possibly. It was, it was an odd collection of people yeah yeah i know i will a lot say of those, that much in a lot of those shows that things aren't exactly the way they appear and it's not always because the people starring in them are deceitful it's just because that's what the that's they want to get ratings that's the point of the show and so that's what the engineers and the producers and the editors and all that stuff do is they make it in a way that it seems like it is more than it is right and i can deal with that because most of the time the paranormal investigators although sometimes nerdy as fuck yeah and a little bit like over dramatic as fuck yeah they're usually not annoying in that way though that's true that's true these gals, it was just like suddenly it was just like, zzz, like, what the fuck is going on yeah. here? Who Next are these? Video. Yeah. And as annoying as these girls were, somebody else on their team was even worse. So we go from them being like in the chapel and being all like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> just bitchy. <laughs> just bitchy and like didn't get anybody to communicate. <laughs> they claimed they felt some cold chills while they were doing this, but you know. That's a hard thing to verify unless yes. you got a, a yes. thermometer or something. Mm-hmm. The next guy in their group, he was in the cell block. And I think he was trying to maybe communicate with the ghost of James Lockhart. Uh -huh. He was like this extremely obese guy putting on this tough guy show. So again, he was taunting. Yeah. And just being like, come on, come out, you know, if you have the guts to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or are you just a coward? 
show yourself. Show yourself. And then after, like, nothing fucking happens, and he's like, yeah, that's what I thought. You chicken shit. <laughs> Turns around, like, huffs out of there. I'll yeah. butthurt that nothing happened. But trying to, yeah. But yeah, just, Provoke yeah, them into it. Trying to provoke them in this super annoying way, and I was just like, oh my gosh. I wished so much at that point that something would have happened. <laughs> It was like, please, please, ghost of James Lockhart or whoever is haunting the cell block. It doesn't matter who. Somebody. Do something to this motherfucker. <laughs> do something to this guy and have him, like, just peeing his pants and crying. I wanted to see that, like, so bad. But alas. Alas, nothing happened. Oh, and something else the gals were doing was they were counting to three. Like they like, were dealing with toddlers. Okay. I'm going to give you the count of three to send me a signal. One, two, three. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yeah. It was just too much. Yeah, yeah. That was probably the last one I watched, and I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm done with Paranormal Investigators. Going to bed. <laughs> going to bed now. I just, I've watched a lot of paranormal investigation stuff and never in my life have I been so annoyed as by this yeah, group yeah. of people. It was, it was just weird. Just weird. So aside from all like the homemade YouTube videos and maybe the kind of semi, I don't know. How do you say like, like I think these people that were super annoying, they're not like an actual like live show. They're like a YouTube channel, but they're a little bit more amateur. Maybe not amateur, but like uh, independent. Aside from just all the YouTube videos of people taking the tour and the amateur ghost hunter videos and vloggers, there have actually been several big-time episodes filmed at the Reformatory. Movie stu or, uh, uh, well, television studios and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, television studio ones. And actually, while we're talking about it, two movies. Oh, really? One of them being The Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah, huh. Shawshank was filmed at... The Reformatory and the filming of Shawshank actually saved the Reformatory. Crazy. It closed in 1990 because of deplorable conditions. Yeah, everything we talked about before. Shawshank was filmed in 1993. It was actually scheduled to be demolished pretty soon after it closed, but when they were scouting locations... They're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, whoa. they're like, whoa, 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 we want to film this movie here, and that ultimately that's what saved it. Wow. After they filmed the movie, that's when they decided to restore the prison, or, or just at least upkeep it and not demolish it. Right, right. Leave it as a, as a structure. Yeah, and that it probably had historical worth, which I 100% agree with. Yeah. They also filmed Air Force One there. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not the classic that Shawshank Redemption is. No, not. No, maybe about it. It's definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Nevertheless, though, two films under its belt. That's true. And then as far as Paranormal Investigation episodes filmed, it's been on My Ghost Story, Paranormal Challenge, Ghost Adventurers, Ghost Hunters Academy, Ghost Hunters, and Scariest Places on Earth. All right, so it's got some major productions under its belt. Mm-hmm. You can currently go on public ghost hunting tours, and then you can also rent out the facility to do private ghost hunting tours, which is what a lot of these, like, kind of amateur 
oh yeah videos were totally that way that you know they're not breaking into a place and they can you know legitimately do stuff and mm-hmm. yeah because this thing is still super it's there's like a fence it's still kind of actively guarded 24 7 yeah cops because they don't yeah they don't want people just going in there no no, I'm sure they don't. It's a big ass old prison. Mm-hmm. They they want to have control over who is going in and going out. But a lot of times, I think some of these places where they have like the tour, the daytime tours, they don't let you go in at night unless you're really somebody special and you're on a TV show. But you don't have to be on a TV show to. Or if you have enough money, I'm sure. Well, yeah, I mean there is money involved, but I just I'd never seen it advertised like this before to where. Yeah, you can go there and spend the night and have your own independent huh. ghost hunting adventure. Be there after dark Fun. all night long. Here are some details if you're ever interested in doing a private ghost hunting thing at the Ohio State Reformatory. For Friday or Saturday nights, the cost is $2,400 for 30 people or less. Wow. If it's more than 30 people, the cost is $80 per person. Huh. But you can't go in and just be like, it's just going to be me and a friend and pay 80 bucks. Of course not. Of course not. It's going to be a minimum of 2400 bucks. So I guess the more you can get in your group to divvy up the cost, the better. Yeah. And I'm sure that they have that number. Seems like a lot. But if you are taking a film crew in there, that number gets taken up real quick. Mm-hmm. Plus, if you want to do it Sunday through Thursday, the cost is only $1,200. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So it's just the weekends that they That's for That is for 15 people or less, though. I see. So it is half as much money, but you can only have half as many people. Exactly, yeah. And that's probably... But still, 15 is quite a few. And it's how much they said? 1,200 for 15? 1,200 for 15. So that's under 100 bucks a person? If there's more than 15 people, again, the cost is $80 per person with a maximum of 100 people for any night of the week. Crazy. All participants must be 18 or older. No exceptions. And look at this. Pizza will be served at approximately 9 p.m. Oh, lovely. Mm -hmm. Soft drinks, water, coffee, and hot cocoa will be served throughout the night. This is all coming straight off their website here. Yeah, yeah. Not sponsored, by the way. (laughs) No, not sponsored. Check-in is at 6 p.m. You will be given a rules and regulations speech, followed by approximately one-hour guided tour. After the tour, the lights will be turned off. Independent investigation runs until 3 a.m. Huh. So you can't, spend the, you can't spend the entire night there, but you can be there until 3 a.m. just running around in the dark on Checking your own. Checking shit out. And I got to say, I'm not trying to like discount all these paranormal experiences at all. I think just being in that environment, this giant prison, the biggest prison cell block in the world but that's also decrepit and abandoned and in the dark yeah that'd be fucking terrifying yeah Yeah. i'd be feeling all sorts of creepy vibes that may or may not be associated with paranormal entities i guess that's where they set up all the cameras and and review it later when they can look at it with a more cool head and then the some of the stuff i saw yeah you might see a little like flit of a shadow Nothing too compelling, but I'm not going to completely be the person that says this place is not actually haunted because I feel like it kind of is. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot that happens that just doesn't end up being captured on video. 
strangely with all the all the videos around or people kind of expect that i think but i mean look at look at your everyday are you getting filmed in your everyday life 24 7 no no but weird things well, happen i mean hopefully not yeah i'm hoping i'm not being filmed 24 7 kind of truman show scenario <laughs> yeah Eesh. but yeah i mean shit happens all over the world every single day that does not get filmed and i personally think that ghosts if they're going to be like haunting a place they tend to be kind of assholes anyways yeah so, probably for the most part i think if they're like doing things against people i mean if they're just reliving whatever's happening then they're not really there's maybe they're not really not, aware but, what's going on but yeah. i feel like if they're maybe a, if they were it's they're not going to do anything while the camera's running yeah if they're aware if they're, if they're aware of the shit around you, you got to either make sure that they're not aware or Got to set the camera of when they're not paying attention. Something. Because it seems like any most times when you are intentionally trying to look for something that like tons of people swear has happened. You can't catch it. You can't catch yeah, it. Yeah. Nothing fucking happens. Or just when they take the camera down, something happens. Oh, yeah. And I'm not <laughs> saying like every single time like that's a lie. Like I, I feel like probably sometimes that's actually true because ghosts are dicks. Yeah, they're just like, you know what? And fuck you. Well, I was thinking about it, and it's like, maybe there's some kind of ghost code that they want to stick by to where there's not definitive proof of their existence. Because then if we knew that ghosts were 100% legitimate and among us, then we would have to start like coexisting with ghosts in some way that, I don't know, maybe they're just like, I don't want to deal with that. Maybe. That could be the case. Like, you know, the politics are just too much. Exactly. Exactly. We got to keep this on the DL. Like, it's okay to fuck with people, but don't do it on camera. Yeah, maybe. That could well be the case. I, I don't know. We'll, just random thoughts I had. Maybe we'll know at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Those are just my random thoughts on ghosts. And that is it for the Ohio State Reformatory. Well, that sounds like a hell of a place. I... If I find myself in, I mean, unfortunately, I wouldn't want to spend all the money to go there because that's expensive, but sounds cool. It does sound cool. If I'm ever in Ohio. I would definitely participate. And our last story we have here is a interesting case. One thing that does connect all these cases are links to the early to mid-1950s. It was a regular evening at the Hopkinsville, Kentucky Police Station on August 21st, 1955. Hopkinsville is in the southeast part of the state, to the east of Lake Barkley, and the land between the lake's National Recreation Area, which is a 170,000-acre natural area for camping and stuff. It looks pretty cool. Oh, I bet it's beautiful. I zoomed in all close on the Google Maps, and it's a nice area. I, oh, I would go there. I'd love to go and see Kentucky. The lake is crazy. It's it's almost like a river that just goes around this this area. So it's like a—it's weird. It's weird. It's different from the lakes out here. Exactly. This evening got real weird real quick. When around 11 p.m., a bunch of adults and children show up in two cars with a wild story. A man named Billy Ray Taylor was heading out to grab some water from the well. What a Kentucky name. Yes, indeed. He was from Philadelphia. Mm. This was in rural Kentucky in the 1950s, so this wasn't particularly uncommon. What was uncommon was the crazy lights that he saw. Even at 7 p.m., when it was still quite bright out, he noticed them. Some say he saw what he called a flying saucer land about a quarter mile away, while others say he simply saw a shooting star. Regardless, Taylor heads back to the house 
and reported what he'd seen. Inside the house was his wife, June, two brothers, Lucky and J.C. Sutton, and then both of their wives and children, along with O.P. Baker. This guy was J.C. Sutton's wife, Arlene's brother, and Glennie Lankford with her three children. Lucky's wife was named Vera, and apparently they were traveling carnival workers. Oh. Whatever. Like they just worked at the carnival? They weren't like sideshow? No, they were just traveling. They probably like sold cotton candy or something. Whatever, Whatever event that Taylor told the group is irrelevant, as they just carried on with whatever was happening inside the house. Until they heard the dog outside barking, which happened around an hour later. Lucky and Taylor each grabbed a gun and headed outside. Grab their gun. They did not quite expect what they saw when they came out of the house, guns leveled. What greeted them was described as three or four feet tall with a large eyes, a long, thin mouth, large ears, thin, short legs, and long arms ending in clawed hands. So like the Grinch? A little bit, but smaller body, bigger head. Okay. Hands that were like claws and long, like long, so longer than Grinch arms. The Grinch is humanoid shaped. These arms go long down, like past the knees. Big ears on kind of fox ears or bat ears. Or Yoda ears? Or Yoda ears, yes. So they were like mean Yodas. A little bit with longer arms. Longer arms, a long armed pot belly mean Yoda. No. There's no pot belly about there it. Wasn't I, don't a pop- where, I don't know where you got the pot belly involved. I thought you just read it. No. <laughs> you just you just like a pot belly. I'd like a pot. <sighs> Some reports said they were green. Others said they were either silver or were wearing silver clothing. Taylor and Lucky, in their shock, shot the creature, who did a backflip and scampered off into the woods. So it didn't even phase it? It didn't. Well, it did a backflip, but it didn't seem like they'd hit it, but they said they were too close to miss it. Lucky had a shotgun, and Taylor had a twenty-two pistol. Well, of course. I mean, they're in Kentucky, and I just love that they grab their guns, and <laughs> hey, dog I mean, barks, they're time all, to grab your guns. Well, they are in rural Kentucky, too, so who knows? Right. I mean, it could have been, like, anything. Although I don't think there's a huge amount of natural predators I in rural Kentucky. I mean, but that was also the 1950s. There was a lot less people then. So I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I have no idea. Maybe I think that just is, it's kind of the South. It is. Dogs barking, grab your gun. And they are not far away from this natural area too. So it, it's, it's within the realms of possibility. There's some sort of predators around there that they needed to be careful of. Or they had at least that they wouldn't, would want to keep their pets safe from. Yeah. The two men satisfied went back into the house. They saw another one of the creatures or the same one. Pop its head up in an open window and peer inside. What? They took a shot at it. Blew a hole in the screen. Well, a bigger hole, because it's already a screen. They both took off outside to see if they could find the corpse, of which they could not. There was one on the roof, and they took a shot at it, but it seemed unaffected and floated to the ground and then just ran off into the woods. Floated. 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 Okay. Was alcohol involved? They say no. <laughs> Some sources- Moonshine? No, that's alcohol. They I know, said it's, no. I know it's alcohol, but I, I'm just speculating here because moonshine's like alcohol times ten. Some sources say that when the creatures were struck with a bullet, it sounded like a bullet hitting like a bucket, like boom, kind yeah, of something like that. That was good. The two men ran back into the house and shut the door. The creatures started popping up in random windows one at a time, like 
whack-a-mole, kind of? I was just thinking black and white whack-a-mole silent film. Yeah, totally. <laughs> this is what I am picturing in my head. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, like, ragtime piano music. Mm-hmm. They would shoot at the creatures, but it didn't seem to do much besides damage the walls, windows, doors, etc. They believe that there were around 15 of these things harassing them. Things sort of just went this way for a while until they managed to get to the cars and get the fuck out of Dodge. Which brings us back to the police station. So here's these people, obviously fucking terrified, trying to convince the police that this is not bullshit and to please come check this shit out. And police, also they're not drunk. And yeah, they don't think they're drunk. Police do investigate. As many as 20 head out to the farm. Dang, it's, what kind of police force they got? They can spare 20 people? I know. That seems, it seems weird because neither of these towns are very, like Kelly is the town this happened in, and that's just a little bit north of Hopkinsville. And Hopkinsville wasn't that large of a town. I'm not sure if, how big of a town it is now, but I believe back then it was, it was less so. Yeah, for, just for people that were living in such an, a rural area. Yeah. Even the next town you get to usually isn't a big town. And, yeah, and, and, 20, and to dispatch 20 police, that seems like more than they would even have employed. I would think so as well. Unless, yeah, I would think so as well. I would think like maybe like they got like five to 10 max. Maybe, yeah. On their payroll and certainly not just hanging around the station ready to go investigate some freaking Grinch goblin shit. Yep, but that's that's the story. All right. So the police... They head to the farm and they find no as evidence of anything outside. No tracks, no blood, nothing. It does look like people were shooting guns in the house. It should be mentioned that according to the sheriff, the ground was very hard and no one left any tracks. The police believed the people to be sober, but they were also obviously terrified. Something had certainly happened. Allegedly, authorities talked to neighbors and received reports of gunshots, which was expected since there had been gunshots right and i mean no one no one's contesting that that happened and they also report seeing lights in the sky which was less expected billy ray taylor reported on seeing lights at 7 p.m the sunset that day was at 8 30 p.m so the sky would have been pretty bright at the time these lights would have been had to these lights would have had to be quite bright for them to stand out during the day of course the police did not arrive until after 11 p.m and the reports didn't specify the time that the lights were seen by others in the area. I've seen it written that the officers themselves witnessed some lights and whatnot, and I've seen it written that they only noticed a meteor shower. It is possible there was a meteor shower visible at the time, as there were a couple recorded during August of this year. There's also some talk of a glowing substance in some areas on the property, which is more than likely a bioluminescent moss common to the area called Foxfire. Oh, okay. I was starting to think, like, something radioactive <laughs> no no it's just it's just this moss that glows i actually kind of want some it'd be cool to have in like a terrarium or something oh yeah regardless uh, the cops end up taking off at about two fifteen a.m at three thirty a.m they hear the sound of walking on the roof and scratching on the walls outside this is back to the families inside so after the cops leave yes then it returns they return it returns yes uh, it's also said that some peeked in the windows again just to get ineffectively shot at. Sunrise was at 7.04 a.m., and reports say that the shenanigans stopped just before daybreak, so probably around 6 a.m. it would start getting light, 5.30, something like that. Rough night. Yeah. Allegedly, they convinced the cops to call the Air Force, who came in and questioned a lot of them, 
except for Taylor and Lucky, who were off in Evansville, Indiana, taking care of some business of some sort. Taking care of some business. <laughs> it's possible that the Air Force coming down and questioning people is a, being a bit dramatic. It's possible that the cops just called in some MPs from the nearby Army base for some extra firepower. Which may have been part of this 20 cops that came down. Maybe it was just some of that. So could maybe be. some of the story got, you know, inflated a bit. Also could be, like, we've already been out here once. And yep. could you guys just do us a solid and check this out, too? There'd obviously been some shots fired at the Sutton Farmhouse property, and they wanted to be prepared. That's what they're thinking, is they just wanted the extra firepower. Some people say that, like a game of telephone, the gunfight has been quite exaggerated. Apparently, reports con contemporary to the time show that they only found a single hole in a single screen that matched one of the guns in the house, the twenty-two. Additionally, only one of the neighbors apparently heard anything that night, and he thought it was firecrackers. Four, to be precise. There was also a reporter there the next day named Joe Doris, who didn't find anything particularly interesting to write about in the article about the event. Well, sounds like they probably didn't have anything particularly interesting to write about in the first place if they're down there doing some investigating on something where... It just seems like people were shooting their guns off in the night. Yeah, basically all he saw was people who had heard that shit went down there being shooed off by Glennie Lankford. Had armed force personnel been there and had been, like, questioning people, I'm sure he would have written about it, though I guess he could have been coerced to not do so. I've also seen reports of neighbors saying that they had just packed up and left the house because the creatures had returned at 3.30 a.m. So there was no circus show the next day. It was just things came back and they left never to return. In which case, there would have been no military president presence because they would have just left. So they wouldn't have called the police again. I also read that in many places that the people involved never changed their stories about the events of that night. But I found stories with conflicting evidence. It's all basically the same. Apparently, they ended up getting so much harassment, they just move. Mm-hmm. Regardless, they, I mean, they, they left the house in, in both ways I've seen the story. You're saying the story goes that after that night, they never come back? There's two stories. One other says they left that night, and the other story says they stuck around for a bit, but kept getting harassed by people coming by asking about stuff, and they ended up taking off, leaving because they were just sick of all the notoriety they received. But the next day, in the story where they don't leave and never come back that's where the people are stopping they, by and where allegedly the air force came by and all of that but the two main guys that witnessed this all they were not there the though. Sh yeah the shooters were not there the shooters were not there they were off conducting business doing some business in evansville indiana <laughs> who knows what that business was obviously must be very pressing probably didn't get a lot of sleep that night no not doing battle with gremlins yep um some common theories behind what these things are besides aliens, because that's the big one. Because mm -hmm. he allegedly saw the flying saucer land or a shooting star. And then others did report lights in the sky. Yes, Now allegedly. you got to think rural Kentucky in the 50s, probably a lot less light pollution. So yeah, if there was a meteor shower, this could probably be pretty spectacular. But not until after the sun goes down and it's right. dark. And if yeah, sunset you don't... is at 830... Then seeing Ooh. something in the sky at seven o'clock, it's got to be pretty fucking bright. But I wonder if dusk is falling. If the sun goes down at eight thirty, seven is still an hour and a half before that. I mean, the sun goes like down the, around but here. But are we talking like complete darkness at eight thirty? Sunset. 
So you know when they calculate sunset? You know the I time don't know when they calculate day? sunset. Like okay, sunset is when the sun goes down. Like completely down? Yes. Okay, so darkness. Yes. Okay. Well, there's, I mean, even when the sun's down, there's still some light in the sky. Well, yeah, but I mean, the sun is setting. But regardless. It's like a process. At 7 o'clock, it's an hour and a half before the sun is set. It's an hour and a half before the sun goes down. So the sun is still well up in the sky. Okay. Well, I'm just saying sometimes before it's complete. I mean, there is a lot of twilight before it's completely dark. Right. And that's after sunset. Okay. I just wasn't sure where in the cycle. Yeah. Sunset is when the sun has set. It is when the sun is no longer up. And you're going to still have some light after that. That's your like twilight time. That's when mm-hmm. it's, you know, dusk. Because you can't see some stuff. I mean, you see, you can see the moon a lot sometimes, of times. Yeah. 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 Just thinking, yeah. Maybe, you know, if it was a it's, meteor shower, maybe. I mean, it's could, maybe you could have seen something I mean, I mean, if it I was if, if it was bright if enough. it had gone down enough to where it wasn't like the middle of the day. And I mean, possibly like if you saw it from the opposite direction, that I mean, if the sun was setting and it was closer, it's going to be closer down to the horizon at that time. Mm-hmm. So maybe it would be more visible if it was, you know. Yeah, that was my was thought on, the on east it. Or something, but that, that was just my thought on it. But it's that maybe it was during kind of that time where you might have been able to see something if it was bright enough. But it was still, I mean, it was still like very daylight out. Mm-hmm. Like you would need sunglasses on. Anyway, some of the theories we have here: test flight monkeys from a crashed rocket test. Wow. Okay. Democrats envious of President Eisenhower. Because they were green, green with envy. Oh, okay. I did. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty. It was a funny. It was a funny joke. Confused great horned owls. Now horned owls are pretty big, and they would have glowing eyes if there was any sort of light around. They are known to attack people when they're feeling frisky, and are most active shortly after the sun goes down. Yeah. Do you know that horned owls have actually been blamed for a couple of deaths where someone's been accused of murdering really? someone and. There's a theory out there that it might have been a great horned owl. I there's yeah. at least one that's like pretty crazy. I I think I'd love to do a, a show on it one day. But there is actually a couple of cases of yeah they they will fucking attack people. I guess oh they definitely will. Mm-hmm. And they're I mean they're they're bigger but and they're big and they got sharp claws. And if you think about it, these I people just don't, I just live don't... in the area. They know about the fauna in the area, so yeah. they've seen a great horned owl before. I guarantee it. If they're drinking out of a well. Like, they are living on the land. So well, they're not going to mistake a great horned owl for... I mean, that's just... I think that's preposterous. I think it is, too, just because... I think it's discounting an, these people's An owl is a pretty recognizable... <laughs> exactly. And is it going to keep attacking the windows of the house? Probably not. Unless it really wanted... But even so, I think you could recognize, like, a big owl, like, banging against the window. Yeah, and I think a few gunshots is going to scare these fuckers off. Exactly. So, I mean, they're aggressive and big, but not to where they're going to just be like, oh, yeah, come at me, motherfucker. Kill me. Yeah. You're bigger than me. You have this really... this, This thing that makes a really loud noise and might injure me like no and especially if they confront it and shoot at it that close with a shotgun you're probably gonna hit it and last time i checked great horned owls weren't green no no and they didn't wear silver clothes no silver silver bucket clothes so yeah that probably not owls weird story definitely a weird one yeah yeah and that's all i got all right 
Well, I guess, uh, I guess maybe I'm just not knowing enough about these two to where I'm going to be able to form an opinion one way or another. Like, were they yeah, just, I mean... uh, really drunk and shooting their gun off and who knows <laughs> who who knows one thing kind of fe- you know you kind of feed off each other and start seeing shit that's yeah i mean it could have just been panic who knows the or maybe all... some really weird thing did in fact happen and or it was an entirely made-up story that just was an incident that got blown out of proportion that does happen from time to time it does and it happened more in the past when there was less ability to find sources. Although, even with the ability to find sources now, people still don't always check them. Right, and then sources can't always be credible. That's true. It's an annoyance these days to where everyone is a goddamn expert, and yet they will say completely opposing things. And it's like, which one do you believe? Exactly. They both have web pages. Yeah, right. So... Who's to be believed? That's right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us then. So check us out. We are with Age of Radio now, a podcasting network. We are on all the social medias. Either under Stranger Than or Stranger Than Podcast. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have our group, The Strange Space. That's our Facebook group. Come join that. Come join that. It's fun. We have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Stranger Than Podcast. We have three patrons right now. We'd like to thank Laura and Nicole and Sarah. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. I hope you're enjoying your bonus episodes. You'll have another one coming out here next week. Right, because for our Patreon subscribers at the $5 level, we give you one bonus episode every month. And they're good. At least we think so. Yes. We hope you will, too. Check out our shop where you can buy mugs, t-shirts, pillows, all kinds of shit. tpublic.com slash user slash stranger than podcast. And of course, our email, stranger than podcast at gmail.com. And while we're throwing web addresses out there, the reformatory ghost tours, I meant to give the web address and here it is www.mrps.org if you're interested in shelling out some money for a private ghost tour in Ohio. And we will talk to you next time. And stay strange.